things to report before we start talking about something that's really not fun. Ooh. MM News. Let's go. MM News. Not really even MM News. Listener News. A longtime listener that I saw over the weekend told me that all of our conversations about eyebrows has really raised her eyebrow awareness and her eyebrow game. All right, there you go. They, she's like, did you notice? I was like, yes, they are looking fierce. They are the fierce. frame of the face. They really can change how your face looks. The face caterpillars are looking amazing. All right, so MM News, number two. Number two, my brother, who's also a longtime listener, had an idea for our first merch line t-shirt. Lizards, all baker's dozens of you, do you want some merch? I think everybody wants merch. (laughs) So his suggestion was the quote, so you've got ghosts in your blood, let's do cocaine about it, should be our first shirt. I I would agree. Uh, MM's brother, excellent idea. However, that is however that's not original content. That is a famous tweet. Boo. Boo. And I will. I, I meant to put it in the show notes, and I will. I'll find the. I have to find the original. But that is that's not a that's not a Katie original. I'm so sorry. It might make a good tattoo though. <laughs> and like a little ghost. Still, you have ghosts in your blood. Do cocaine about it. <laughs> and since this is an episode at night, oh, it is an episode at night. Although. Getting- Getting sexy in here. I'm drinking my lovely honey beast. Ooh, the uh, Chardonnay, Voignier, what are you doing? The Chardonnay. Now, you did just work out, so you're probably hydrating, is my guess. I mean, I'm uh, hydrating with a, LaCro- with a LaCroix. That's it's more hydration than I, I think is in my wine, so congratulations. Lizards, I have been on a seltzer journey, and I'll tell you why. Love it for you. And, not, and I don't it. mean a LaCroix... Spindrift journey. Oh, I mean, mean, you mean a hard seltzer? I mean a white claw and its yeah. brethren journey. The reason for this is um, one of the very illustrious members of my quarantine pod. Um, well, and now I guess we're just friends because quarantine pods, like we are all vaccinated. So we go out and do our business and we don't only see each other. But one of the illustrious members of my quarantine pod um, has been reviewing seltzers on Ooh. her Instagram and like has been keeping them in her stories and everything like that. And I was following along and getting very into it. I mean, it's interesting regardless, but I was just like, who knew you were such a white girl with, I mean, I am everyone, so everyone basic. Knew. I have Jonathan Van Ness on my shirt. I right love now. it. Not only do I love that shirt. I love that it actually matches your headphones. So I was following along with Kristen's reviews and um, she had a bunch of more, um, I guess, craft seltzers. So you know, you have your, you have your white claws. You ha- you know sure, the sure, the more sure. widely available ones that are owned uh-huh. by like Anheuser-Busch, simple, like that. basic. And yeah, you if have- you want to support the man, sure. Well, because sure, everyone yeah. has their seltzer now. Yeah. So bottom of the barrel are Trulies. You might as well just drink garbage water. Why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> I really hope that my friend Fig is listening to this right now because he <laughs> has been on a truly seltzer kick. It's so funny. It's one of those things where, like, it's it's like when I was in college and I didn't really want to drink beer. I was, there's no, I had no reason for it. I was just like, okay, I just didn't want to. I'm not a beer person. Okay. So I said I would only drink Rolling Rock. 
And then I had to like kind of put my money where my mouth was because one time someone was like, well, I know you only drink rolling rack. So they like, got me some rolling rack. So here you are. And that's how I was yeah. like, and it, and it was fine. But then like once you drink real like good beer, then you're just like, why was this my beer? Look, rolling rock is a Pennsylvania staple. So I would think that you would. Yeah. So I think that you would own that. Yingling. If you're going to have a Pennsylvania staple, you get yourself a yingling. Look, the state's big enough for more than one beer, is what I'm saying. Is it? Uh, it's no Rhode Island. It's no Rhode Island. It's no Staten Island. Come on. I know Staten Island's not a state. Yeah, don't, don't, don't at her. Fuck off. Um, it is. I mean, let's be honest. It is a island into its own. It could, it could be its own state. It gave us Pete Davidson, though, so. I mean, that's not a, it's not a selling point. He's hilarious, and he's at least self-aware enough to make fun of himself, which I appreciate. I mean, I guess the existence of Pete Davidson also gave us the existence of Big Dick Energy um, yes. as a meme. So, okay, okay. Yes. But anyway, so for your friend who likes Trulies, I would highly, yes. highly suggest not drinking that. <laughs> instead, <laughs> instead, find a seltzer that is more of a... I hesitate again. I don't think craft seltzer is the right word, but like out here, like for example, there's Two Town Cider and there are cidery, but then now also I have a seltzer and it's excellent. Or Total Wine sells a lot of really good seltzers. They do. They do. I actually yeah. noticed that the last time I was there. That was impressive. And you want to find ones that uh, Kristen's rubric is taste and drinkability, obviously, but then it's also um, aftertaste because a lot of seltzers, especially Trulies, have like a awful like kind of fake aftertaste depending on how they were do you hear that it's an awful and fake aftertaste now look if truly was on the verge about sponsoring us if that was my number three update wouldn't you feel bad uh (laughs) i then i would be like i apologize to my friends and family and then i would be like they should make a flavor called garbage water tm then you know um so own it And then, so then also, you know, I'm not a calorie counter, but if you're drinking a seltzer, the whole selling point really of it is that it's about 100 calories. So then you have to adjust. If it's more than that, does it buy, does the extra calories buy you like way better flavor so it's worth it? Or is it like, why is, like, if I could just, if I could, I have a less calorie drink, why would I drink this way more calorie one? Um, Right. One of the best ones we found is called Half Lion, um, and it has a truly adorable can. However, it's Uh a mix of plastic and metal, so it's not recyclable. Oh, and that's a bummer. Yeah. So anyway, I now I'm on this big seltzer cake. I have a bunch of Shell House and a bunch of uh, Seacon in my fridge currently. And I always look forward to the newest ones that Kristen brings about when we go uh, stand up paddleboarding, and uh, I have a little cooler, and I always pack myself three nice. or four cans. And um, also out here, there's San Juan Seltzery on the San Juan Islands, which is oh. choice. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's the end of my seltzer journey that I will probably cut out a whole bunch of. Um, it is a, a seltzer journey, which I love and funny because. The podcast wasn't envisioned to be a seltzer platform. No, it's not a, It's not the seltzer time mysteries. Although I know 
to bring it back home, I did receive a shipment of six bottles of wine today. So yeah, you I'm did. Not, that video was amazing. I'm not they leaving. Beautiful bottle. I am not leaving wine behind. I am just supplementing oh, it because drinking sure. wine on a paddleboard is not something that's no. super <laughs> convenient. No, and I do have a thing when it's hot out. I really enjoy a cold beer. That's what I want. For me, it's uh, I've I've really gotten into a, a cold cider. But also, seltzer, when it starts to get warm, it's not as gross also. It's like when wine gets real mm. warm, like if you're, yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's, Mm-mm. you know, popping a nice can, like a canned wine might work, but we've been doing seltzer on the, on the water and then yeah. wine. On the, on the, on the water. What have you been doing? On the water. The, on the water. I've been supping on the water. And, mm. uh, Did you get it from, did you get those hoagies from Wawa? <laughs> um, although not all water. <laughs> because I got a text from another member of the pod who also goes something with us and I have to read this headline uh, word for word because it's fantastic mm-hmm. there's poop in the water King County officials close three beaches <laughs> oh no for high bacteria count so um, oh, not all water no. hashtag not all water <laughs> Moving, moving on from the unfortunate circumstances in King County, <laughs> What's the, Washington. That's, uh, next week, preview the mystery of why is there poop in the water? <laughs> it's right up there with those mystery feet that keep washing up on shore. I almost. <laughs> you still can. Almost. You still to, can. Some of the, like, the theories are not, I mean, we already did a tsunami episode, so we don't really want to talk about <sighs> where the feet could possibly be coming from. Okay. But it is your turn this week, and you say it's a it doozy, is. and I'm very excited it's... for the doozy. Oh, also, if any lizards are um, concerned, I'm no longer on the surface of the sun, so I'm... No, really... she she looks much cooler, nary a sweat. I'm not glistening. The... I'm not dripping no, sweat. No, she's not holding all of her limbs akimbo, so <laughs> nothing touches anything else. But before we get into this... I mean, just general content warning about why are men and the patriarchy and internalized oppression of women throughout our society and culture, even by other women? Are we talking about Brittany right now? <laughs> You'd think. <laughs> free no, free, free this is her. not about Brittany. Free her. The thing that the piece that got me livid was her testimony that she wanted to get her IUD removed. And first of all, it was inserted without her consent and that they would not remove it. And as someone who has voluntarily done that to themselves, it is not a fun process. Mm-mm. It is quite painful. It is so invasive. Have you read Ronan Farrow and Gia Tolentino's piece yet? No, yeah, ma'am. It's a, you have to... You have to. Well, it just make me matter because then I don't know yeah, if I want to. Yeah, it, it, it's your. It, you gotta gird your ang- your anger glands. I was gonna say gird lo- my anger loins. I literally was about to say gird your loins, and I was like, no. <laughs> gird your gird your anger centers and uh, get ready to my anger chakra. <laughs> uh, Want to commit some uh, revenge killings on people oh, involved? Yeah. Um, anyhow, so not Britney Spears, but not Britney, but. Before I get into that, you're Katie. I am oh, 13 minutes in. Oh I'm Katie God. and you're MM. And we are Bicoastal Besties bonding over lovely wine and seltzer. 
and mysteries, doozies of mysteries. And doozies. This is the Wine Times Mysteries podcast, and we are on episode 36. A 36. And I have so many notes for this episode. I have to look at them, and I'm not going to be seeing your beautiful face at the same time. How dare and it's you? a little sad. How dare you? But I can still hear your beautiful voice, so that's great. Okay. So, this is episode 36, if you can fucking believe it. Amazing. Look at us. Look at us. Hey, look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. Not me. So, this is about the disappearance of Dr. Sneha Phillip from New York City. And before we get started, I just wanted to know, do you have any background in this story? No, ma'am. I was just... Uh, I was shaking my head like this is a visual medium. I know. I was like, why is there... Such, why is there such dead air? I I had to look up how to properly pronounce this woman's first name because I wanted to be respectful. And so this is what Google told me. If it is incorrect, please know I'm trying my best, everybody. Here we go. So Sneha Phillip was born in India in October of 1969. And her family moved to the United States when she was a young child. Her parents ended up settling in Albany, and then later they moved to Dutchess County, New York, which is where Poughkeepsie is. I don't think they were in Poughkeepsie, but it's about an hour away from New York City. Okay. And Sneha was apparently a smarty, fancy pants person because she graduated from Johns Hopkins University in your favorite city of Baltimore. So she started Chicago Medical School in 1994, and then in 1995... Sneha met Ron Lieberman, who was a Jewish man from Los Angeles, and they started dating pretty quickly. And they stood out from their classmates by being more artsy than the rest of the class. He played guitar, and she was an artist, and they Aww. got together, and it was so sweet. Whoa, whoa, whoa. She was a fancy smarty for fancies, and she was an artist? Yes. I yes. would have been like, I would have had such a... Uh, a crush on her i would have just been like you are when the you coolest. see her pictures <laughs> you're the coolest. seriously and when you see her pictures i mean also gorgeous of course and i don't want to get too far ahead of myself but she's radiant so so sneha was one year ahead of ron in school so after they started really seriously dating she took a year off from school and traveled around italy so that he could catch up to her and that they could graduate together. And I thought, what a win-win. Right? Like, just gonna, just gonna, you just know. Gonna eat, pray, love my way around. And, uh. You're gonna get on a, back. get on a little, uh, a little moped. Right. Just go, ciao. You know. Oh, go get some gelato. So they graduated in 1999. And both of them were able to get internships in New York City. So they moved oh. to Manhattan. Ron had his internship at Jacoby Medical Center, which is now part of the New York City Health and Hospital System, and that was in the Bronx, and Sneha at Cabrini Medical Center in Manhattan. So they rented an apartment in Battery Park City, which is lower Manhattan, and then in May of 2000, they got married, and they they said it was a Jewish-Indian celebration, and that as part of that ceremony, Ron um, put a teardrop-shaped Gold menu, which is a traditional Indian wedding pennant, on Sneha. She wore it every day. And he wrote a jazz song for the reception that the band played about her called, Wow, She's So Great. 
Is that the <laughs> sweetest name you've ever? That, is wow with an exclamation point, and then she's so great. That is lovely and right? hilarious. And um, for whatever reason, all I can think of is betcha by golly, well, well, you're the one. <laughs> Lizards, that is my actual singing voice. I'm not trying to be funny. I can't sing. Um, but just, wow. Anyway, she's so, so great. So it just sounded so sweet. And it sounds like, you know, their life together is off to a great start. Yes. However, Sneha's professional career began to suffer in early 2001. In the spring of 2001, she was told that her internship wouldn't be renewed for, quote unquote, tardiness and alcohol-related issues. And apparently in the medical world, this is the equivalent of being fired, is to have your internship contract not be renewed. The day that she was told that her contract wasn't going to be renewed, she went out for drinks with a group of her co-workers after work, so a group of other interns from the hospital, which sounds like a totally normal, rational thing to do. And so here's where the content warning comes in for all the things I talked about before. Uh, why are men? Why are men? Patriarchy, systemic sexism, misogyny, all that jazz. Yeah. So after the night out with her coworkers, she told the police that one of her fellow interns had groped her when they were at the bar. But of course, the police didn't believe her. Right. So she ended up getting charged with third-degree false reporting of an incident, Mm -hmm. and the prosecutor in her case offered to drop the charges if she recanted her complaint, but she held her ground and refused to do so. So then she was arrested and spent the night in jail. So it's not even, it's not even they just didn't believe her and like, whatever. I mean, and I wonder why they didn't. I mean, I know why they didn't believe her, but it like I guess uh, what like one of the other people step- was denying it. Was it like he said, she said, or was it just like they were like, yeah, no, we don't believe you. And then not only do we not believe you, and we're not just going to go no goodbye. It's no, and now we're going to you know charge you for lying to us. It just seems like such an awful and unnecessary step. Yes, so one of right. So one of two things happened. It happened, and she reports it to the police, and the police talk to her, and they talk to this person that she says committed this offense, mm-hmm. and they, they're like, well, we don't have evidence either way. Case closed. Yeah. Go about your business. But instead, they're like, they either found something so egregious that they're like, no, and we know this is false because of this reason, or why are men, we'll just arrest this, this woman for besmirching the name of this man. I don't know. It just see, and this is another, here's another reason why women don't want to come forward when God awful things happen to mm-hmm. them. Right. You end up in jail. I mean, and I, ha- I also have to wonder and let me know if we have this information. Um, is it the coworker that she's accusing going like I'm pressing charges because she's lying about me? Like, is it on him or is it on the police? I didn't read any, I didn't read anything that said it was the coworker who was pressing charges. I read it as the police didn't believe her, so they charged her Good with line. filing a false report. And it was the prosecutor who decided to take it forward. Which, again, in Manhattan, prosecutor, you don't have better things to do. Right? Are you kidding me? You're not busy with everything else you could possibly, with charging right. the Trump organization. 
<laughs> with Thanks, Manhattan DA. All of the crimes. We could have taken right. care of this shit back then. After that, uh, her she had a little bit of a rebound where she found another internship at St. Vincent's Medical Center in Staten Island. But that internship didn't last very long because she apparently had very strict stipulations in her contract that were a condition of the new internship and she was suspended when she failed to meet with a substance abuse counselor because that was gonna now, be my that's ne- all i know about the situation that's all i know it, and who knows if it was a one-time thing but it was so strict and they were like we don't care what your excuses are or if it had was something that was repeatedly happening i don't know right because that was going to be my next question was if we knew the original internship not being renewed if we knew if there were alcohol problems or was it like oops she got drunk at a work thing and now people think she's like the office drunk person i don't know all it said were quote-unquote tardiness and alcohol related issues yikes that's all i could find about it so yeah around this time she had also begun a habit of staying out all night at bars that catered to the lesbian community in new york now, I am going to tell you the names of just some of the bars, and, which I think are absolutely fabulous. So the first is Julie's, which was in Midtown Manhattan. Okay, that just sounds, that's, that's a name, beautiful name, great, whatever. The other bar was Henrietta Hudson's. Love it. Which I also liked. And the third one was called Meow Mix. Meow, 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 meow. Meow, 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 now we can go, we can, we can all like, we can go through all the different scenarios of why she might've been hanging out at this bar, these bars. Now it could have been, she had an awful encounter with a man and, uh, who groped her and she wanted to make sure that she was not drinking around men, but still being able to go out and enjoy herself. It could have been that maybe she had a newfound sexuality that she was exploring. I mean, don't know. I mean, maybe she was by her pan forever and just happened yeah, to be with a man. Right. Who knows? Either way, right? It, it, I know we're on the same page here, but lizards, if you haven't heard before, if you're not hurting anyone, and if her partner was okay with it, fine. Yeah. Fine. Whatever it was she was doing. So Ron claimed that he knew that she was going out to these bars and that she sometimes went home with the women that she met there, but he claims... That it's much more innocent than people are trying to make it out to be. And that, again, it was that she wanted to go places where she wouldn't be hit on so she could still feel like she was going out and enjoying herself and listening to live music. And that, you know, if she did go to other people's houses, it was totally on, like, a friendship level and just like, oh, we've had so much to drink, let's just just crash my apartment's around the corner kind of a thing. Um, And then there's a quote from Ron, which I think kind of shows the attitudes at the time Ron has called the quote unquote accusations of her bisexuality ridiculous. Okay. So in his mind, she was not, she was not bisexual. That was not part of her identity. She was going to these bars because she had this unfortunate incident with her coworker. We don't know. Also, it just speaks volumes about the way that society, uh, viewed bisexuality Always erasure. In the early 2000s. Always. So that brings us to September 10th, 2001. So on the morning of September 10th, Snea had a court date related to the charge of the false report where she pled not guilty to filing a false complaint. 
Ron went with her to the court, and then he left for work around 11 a.m. Snea was planning on spending the day in her apartment, cleaning up in preparation for a dinner guest on Wednesday, which was going to be her cousin Anu, who lived a few blocks away, and she was just telling people, like, oh, their apartment is such a mess, you really need to clean up before they had company. Wait, can you I... You have a question. Yeah. Can you say that date again? September 10th. 2001? 2001. Okay. okay. Just thought yeah. I wanted to make sure I heard that properly. Yep. So at 2 p.m., she sent her mother an instant message because we are in the AIM days. So she sent her mother an instant message um, and ended up having about a two-hour-long IM conversation with her mom in which she mentioned that she wanted to check out the windows on the world in the World Trade Center where a friend of hers is going to be getting married that spring. And then at 4 p.m., she signed off of AIM so she could run some errands. So she changed. She changed into a brown short sleeve dress and sandals. She had her hair in a ponytail. Regular running around town. She probably changed because, you know, she had been cleaning the apartment and needed to spruce it up a little bit before she went out. So she dropped off some dry cleaning, and then she went to the Century 21. Now, have you ever been to a Century 21, or do you know what one is? No. Now, I've only seen it in New York. I don't know if they have them in other places, but it's a discount department store, so kind of like a filing's basement, but more department story where they have, like, actual sections, like an apartment store. Like, here's your shoe section. Here's your coat section. It feels... I'm not, I'm not claustrophobic. It will make you claustrophobic to be in here because as you can imagine it's a department store in new york there's it's usually like in a basement or like ground floor there's no windows there's so much stuff in such a small amount of space i can't like i can still think about going into one and like feeling like i can't breathe because there's just so much stuff there that century 21 is near the twin towers and just after 6 p.m she used her husband ron's american express card to buy a few things so she bought lingerie a dress, some hose, and some bed linens. And then she went to the shoe annex next door and bought three pairs of shoes, to which I say, get it, girl. Ron came home that night from work around midnight, working those intern hours, uh, and the apartment was empty. So on Tuesday morning, Snea still wasn't home. Tuesday morning, the, Ron, ne- the next day. So The next day, which would be September, September 11th. 11th. Okay. Yeah. So Ron wasn't worried. Uh, because she had gotten into the habit of staying out all night, but he was just annoyed because the last time this had happened, they had had a conversation that she was supposed to call and give him a heads up. He thought maybe she had gone out and spent the, ended up spending the night at her cousin's house, the um, cousin who's supposed to come over for dinner on Wednesday, or maybe she went over to her brother's. Her brother lived in the West Village, so again, relatively close to their apartment, but if you're out and you've been drinking, you can see like, yeah, I'll just crash over here. So Ron had to be at work at 8 a.m. in the Bronx that morning for a meeting. So he left for work really early. And then when that meeting was over at 9 a.m., he obviously saw the news of the 9-11 terrorist attacks, and he called home to their apartment because Snea didn't have a cell phone. And he got the answering machine. And for all of our lizards who are maybe, I don't know, Gen Z, because we have so many listeners. Remember, we're your aged millennial aunts, of course. A... An answering machine was the machine that you plugged into your home phone that answered the phone when you weren't there. And recorded the messages on a little cassette tape. A teeny tiny cassette tape. Lizard's a cassette tape. Oh, just Google that. Just Google that business. I had to explain a cassette tape to my youngest daughter with her American Girl doll collection. 
Because there's an American Girl doll now from the 80s, and she has a little boom box with little cassette tapes, and we had to go through the whole thing. And they actually work, though, they and play. they're about the size of an A. Yeah, and they're about the size of an answering machine tape, actually, which is hilarious. So, anywho, he left messages, but he didn't get any calls back. So then he called her mother and her brother, and neither of them had heard from her, and I'm just impressed that he was able to get through right on the phone line because i remember not being able to get through to anybody yeah i had a at, my boyfriend at the time lived in manhattan and um i i never ended up getting through he ended up getting through to me eventually amazing so around 3 p.m he decided to hitch a ride on an ambulance that was going downtown to look for her which i thought like super smart i mean obviously he's super smart uh, but also, I know for a long time that they had all the medical personnel on standby because they thought there were going to be a lot of survivors they were going to find that would be going to nearby hospitals. But, you know, sadly, as we know now, there really weren't that many, if any, survivors. Um, so especially since he was all the way in the Bronx. So he got on this ambulance to go downtown to look for his wife, and it took him six hours to get to Manhattan because they're going against traffic and we've all seen the pictures of everyone trying to leave Manhattan and lower Manhattan like walking across bridges and it was just this mass exodus of people so he ended up getting to the Tribeca neighborhood around nine and because he was wearing his hospital scrubs he was able to get past the police line and actually get to their apartment which again super smart however he couldn't open the front doors to the apartment building because there was no electricity. Okay. So. Yikes. He ended up crashing at a friend's apartment in the West Village that night and then went back over to their apartment again the next morning. So at that point, September 12th, and he was able to get inside that day. And it's important to note that Snea had left a window open in their apartment and their apartment was full of ash and soot. However... There weren't any footprints in the apartment, so he knew she, had she hadn't been, been back. Okay. Right? So at this point, she left the house and was doing all the shopping. Like, she was at the Century 21 and everything. That was on the 10th, and she has mm-hmm. not been home since the 10th. Mm-hmm. Okay. That same day, on the 12th, Ron goes to the 911 Help Center uh, at the Lexington Avenue Armory to drop off flyers that he made with her face. Oh. So sweet. And he saw that there's this huge goggle of press there, and he really wanted to get her photo out in case someone had recognized her or bumped into her or seen her. However, all the reporters heard that she was missing since September 10th, and so they didn't really have any interest in interviewing uh. him, or which I know, I, I hate. So then Ron called Snea's brother, John, and he said, John, can you please come down and talk to the reporters? Because he lived very, very close uh, to the help center. And just, quote-unquote, leave out a few details. So John took it a step further and came down, talked to the reporters. And even though he and Snea hadn't, hadn't talked for a few weeks because they had been in a fight, he told the reporters on camera that he was on the phone with her on the morning of September 11th, and she said she couldn't leave her, her neighborhood because people were hurt, and that she said... Quote, unquote, I have to help this person, and that's the last thing I heard from her. So, of course, the reporters picked up the story, and they're like, you know, local hero missing in 9-11 terrorist attacks. But as time passed, of course, 
John started wondering whether he had hurt the investigation into his sister's disappearance by by doing that. You and think, I get it. John, you think? Sorry, lizards. I don't, you can't. Again, this is not a, a visual medium. I the second I like, <laughs> the face was the, good. the, the way was good. as the, as the lie progressed, like my mouth just kept getting bigger and bigger. And like I again, know. like I know if it's like and I can't possibly understand what it would have been like on that day. You know, being there considering that like all I was doing was trying to call you know in and there there would have been no reason for the people that I knew in New York at the time to be any but like you never know like maybe you took a different route somewhere that day right right so i have right. i know he was probably thinking i got to do what i got to do to like find my sister i get that but it's also sort of like dude Ooh, that I is i know i feel i feel awful like it was so terrible and not even knowing anybody because you figure people are like looking at you know well we can place her at this place at this time yeah Yeah. and then it's just like but you can't she you know she could have been abducted or i'm sure we will hear more about what Mm -hmm. what what we know now but you know it's it you're placing her in different places at different times and um i can only imagine that it confused things exactly and if we look back, remember again, just like how that time was, how that day was, how the week was, how the next week was, how the next month and two and three and four were. I mean, that was all that was on the news, mm-hmm. right? That was it. But yeah, that's not so. But this this is a nice segue because again, because everyone is so focused on this, Ron basically went into detective mode. So yeah, yeah Ron. So Ron also sent flyers to. Century 21, even though the one that his wife had been to was temporarily closed because it had been next door to the World Trade Center. So he sent them to other branches of Century 21s. And so later that week, he received a phone call from a shoe department clerk who said she recognized Snea as a regular and that she had come into the store on September 10th and that she had been there with a friend whom she described as a small woman in her early 30s she was dark-skinned and possibly Indian. So, kind of fortunate in some ways that this did happen on the 10th because people have a very clear mm-hmm. recollection of what they were doing at that time, but also horrible coincidence that it happened so close to 9-11 because, again, all the everyone's attention is going to be turned to something else. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, they found out that the shoe department didn't use video cameras. However... Ron, my hero, spent three weeks looking through videotape from the Century 21, and he found a video of her in the coat department about an hour earlier, and it showed her, but it showed her shopping alone. And they've never been able to identify who this woman was that the shoe department clerk saw her with, or if she even really existed. So that unfortunately turned into a dead end. Because, I mean, there are so many things it could be, right? It could be... She never really existed, and the woman misremembered. It could be that she ran into somebody in the shoe department. Mm-hmm. You know, I you know I, I doubt he could. She could go be through. she's remembering a different day. Yes, yes, because she's a regular. It could be that she's actually misremembering, and she saw two other women entirely. Yep, because we know um, when remembering people of races that are not your own, people tend to conflate details. That's science, yep. uh, unfortunately. I mean, Oba wrestles, <laughs> yeah, but it is science. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, so it, there's so many ways that that could be, 
either misleading or this person does like that friend would know something and is a clue or i mean it could just be someone she ran into who's like what do you think of these shoes and it was just like okay we're right, starting up a conversation right. there's so many options here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. could have been the yeah exactly the person in line behind her like oh those are cute oh yeah. with these like where'd you find those yeah uh so hero ron proceeds to file two missing persons reports with the police um, so first he had to be ruled out as a suspect because we know we always look towards the missing person's uh, family and partners. And so at first, the police were inclined to lump her in with the other 9-11 victims. Mm-hmm. But Ron didn't have any reason to believe that she would have been in the World Trade Center that day. So he hired a private investigator who was a former FBI special operations agent And this person started investigating Snea's known hangouts. He talked to employees at bars and hotels near the Century 21 department store. And he talked to her family, her friends, and her coworkers. And, you know, one of the angles they looked at was whether she might have decided to, quote-unquote, run off and start a new life somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And to do that, they did a forensic analysis of her computer. I I guess part of me understands it's something you have to think about is whether or not when somebody disappears, did they actually just go run off and start mm-hmm. a new life? But the other part of me is like, how often does, is that really, how I, often is that really the case? I know it does happen. Right. I mean, we talked about that in the um, Pecos Jane case of mm-hmm. just dismissing mm-hmm. it out of hand and assuming that that's explanation number one. And it's like, right. And I, I mean, I think well, easier to do in the 1960s than right. in the early 2000s, but right, probably but like, still earlier to do in the early 2000s than today, but still. Right. Let's like run it down and rule it out. Sure. But let's not have it be theory one. Right. And, you know, I don't know what they were expecting to find on her computer that would indicate that. Like, would it be a map quest from like her house I mean, to another <laughs> des- location that's like secret lover's house it's here <laughs> in Dayton? You never know. I mean, because what did, like, didn't Casey Anthony Google, like, how to kill kids? Like, oh, you never too know. Too many times. Too many times. But that was a weird situation because there were multiple people using the quote-unquote family. That was back when you had a family computer and not mm. a personal computer. So they're like, well, we couldn't say who in the family had actually done the Googling. Or it probably wasn't even Googling. She was, she was probably asking Jeeves. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going Dear to hell. Jeeves. Okay. Um, um, how, how to make chloroform? Yeah, how do I chloroform my small child? Thank you. Oh God, I have, ooh, the hatred I feel. I didn't mean, that woman. Yeah, okay. I didn't mean to derail towards that, but that's a, the ooh. first thing I thought of is like, what do you find in computers? Like sometimes you find exactly what you're looking for. <laughs> okay, she was also a big dum dum, and this lady was not. So fair. <laughs> <laughs> the forensic analysis of her computer led them to believe that there there was no evidence of plans to run away to start a new life or to meet up with a secret lover or any of the more like romantic notions that one could think of, I guess. Right. Would, would they have found a record of the two hour IM with the mom? Yes. Yes. Which is how, well, they had, I mean, I know they had her mom's computer too, but it, it, supposed, it sounded like they had the whole transcript. Yeah. Cause I saw different quotes from the aim conversation okay but they also noted and it doesn't take an fbi former fbi analyst to figure this out she left her glasses her passport her driver's license and her credit cards except for her husband's amex smart girl again to go buy them shoes and then again hero ron 
He left that Amex account open for a long time, hoping that she had oh, that there might be another charge hero in Hero Ron. Hero, hero Ron. Ron. Now, something else interesting that the investigator did find was that someone made a call from their home phone to Ron's cell phone at 4 a.m. on Tuesday morning, remembering that his wife did not have a cell phone. So they were like, okay, well, what happened there? Like one of two things. Ron says he doesn't remember, but he did have a habit of sometimes waking up in the middle of the night to check his messages because my guess is he has an extreme A-type personality and Mm -hmm. thought, as opposed to you and I, to when there is a work emergency, no one will die. When he (laughs) has a work emergency, someone may die, I'm assuming. And again, in ye olden timeies, when you'd have to call your own cell phone Mm -hmm. to check your messages. Oh, um, remember that? Remember those yeah. times? Wow. Yeah. That comes up in the, um, side note, that comes up a lot in the Maura Murray case, too, when people are looking at her phone, her her cell phone uh, call records about, like, calling in to check her voicemails. Like, was it me? And, like, when you're calling your own phone. It was, it's interesting stuff. What, what case? Uh, I'm sorry, Maura Murray? I'm sorry, you're looking at me like you're a fan of true crime and you have never heard of this? Okay, look, we're going to talk later. I can't get into it now. That takes like, that's like a week's worth of conversations. Okay, so that's from 2004. In that case, just so everybody knows if you don't know, is considered like one of the last big mysteries before the advent of social media because it was ah. in 2004. And so pretty much any date after that, you'd have people who were checking in via Facebook or Foursquare, MySpace, or wherever. Foursquare. Right? Foursquare. Y- y'all, you so, know who was an early Foursquare adopter? Super husband. husband. Guess who still uses the current version of Foursquare? Oh, super husband. Gotta get them he badges. Gets, he gets so excited when he gets a mayorship. Still. Still. He actually announced the other day that someone had finally taken his mayorship from the daycare where the girls used to go. <laughs> Which is incredible, thinking that nobody was there for 18 months because, you know. Someone COVID. else is still a four-squared. <laughs> I just remember God, when we were going on our, like, tour to frozen yogurt. Mm, he was, like, racking yeah. up. He was racking up mayorships. True, uh, true. At, like, Mr. Yogato oh. and stuff like that. God, Mr. Yogato was good. Okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. Back to the, okay. So Ron does remember he may have called to check his messages. I know I have done things with my cell phone in the middle of the night. There was one time um, at a very busy time in work when I used, this is back when I used to charge my phone next to my bed. Mm -hmm. Maybe I still do, but I did at the time. And then I learned not to do that because I was getting pings all night from my work email with people wanting things. And at some point during the night, I must have torn the charger from the phone and thrown it across the room. because I woke up in the morning and I couldn't find it. Like it was just, it wasn't there. And I was like, I know I plugged it in. And I was about to be late to work, so Super Husband calls the cell phone, because this is before you could ping your phone. So Super Husband calls the phone, and yeah, it was like in the corner, the opposite corner of the room, like I had thrown it with my right hand, and it was in the left-hand corner of the room, like under These a pile of stuff. motherfuckers! <laughs> Basically. So it happens. You can do things in your sleep you don't remember, but it's still weird. But then I did see a theory that maybe she had come home, I mean, but then maybe. tried to call him, but it was like, but he was sleeping. So like, why was she calling him yeah. to check in with him from her own home phone when he's there. I I don't really get that theory, but that's just another interesting yeah. thing yeah. that they found. Weird. However, yeah. 
because Ron didn't see the footprints in the dust in the apartment, and he never saw the Century 21 bags of stuff. And think about it. She bought three pairs of shoes, even if she had teeny tiny little dainty feet, like it's still three shoe boxes Mm -hmm. and then all the, and bed linens and, and the other stuff that she bought. And there weren't in a tiny New York apartment. So like he would have seen the Century 21 bags. Um, So he knew that she hadn't been back in the apartment. However, one more interesting fact. They did find video from the apartment security camera on the morning of September 11th that showed a woman who resembled his wife in the lobby of the apartment just before the first plane struck the World Trade Center. However, at that time of the day, the sun is shining directly into the lobby, so the image is completely bleached out like you cannot see her face. However, they say silhouette looks like her. She has a similar haircut. Mannerism, she's wearing a similar outline of a dress that looks like what she had been wearing the previous day but they can't positively identify it as her because they can't see her face at all. And in the video, the woman, the woman enters the building, she stands near the elevator for a few minutes, and then she turns around and she leaves. Which is weird. Mm-hmm. The investigator also noted that in Lower Manhattan, where they lived, it's very, very, very rare that when there's a homicide, that a body disappears, right? Like Because they're like, you're in Manhattan, the body's going to show up. Right. He also noted that most criminals are stupid and they make mistakes. And But also, yeah, it's not like you can just take the person to the woods, right? right. And no one's going to find them. Like, you're you're in one of the most densely populated places on Earth. Like, right. you're going to find a body. Right, like someone's going to see something. Or even if you throw it in the Hudson or whatever, like, it's going to get found. Yes. Yeah. So he, he, the investigators say people just don't disappear. So it would make sense if she died in the World Trade Center. However, that is not the end of the story. I feel like this is like the sixth, like, however, consecutive then, however. Then, <laughs> I know. Go through, lizards, just go through and score it. Tell me how many times I've said it. Just as their families were coming to terms with the fact that she probably died in the World Trade Center, the police kept pushing on in their investigation. And according to the police report and people that they interviewed, it was reported that Ron and Snea got into a quote-unquote big fight at the courthouse on the morning of September 10th when she had gone in to, to plead not guilty mm-hmm. because Ron was upset that she was quote-unquote abusing drugs and alcohol and was conducting bisexual acts. And the police report stated that Snea stormed out of the courthouse and left Ron there. However, Ron adamantly denies this for like okay that's like the 20th time that's fine ron denies that this happened i'm right? not, i mean like, i'm not i'm not criticizing the use of however i'm just saying there's however, so many there's so many twists oh, and turns oh there's more Wait for it. so ron says no absolutely not that did not happen the police report also claims that john which is snea's brother told detectives that he had walked in on his sister and his girlfriend, who is now the mother of his child, having sexual relations. However, now I'm just going to say it just to do it. John denies that he ever said that or that that ever happened. And as Ron points out, even if these things did happen, which they didn't, it does not explain what happened to his wife. Who, like, I would love to know where they got this information. Like, I understand, like, that they, that they say that John said this to them. So I know that side but like right what police report 
like who, where, why did they, they were get the just you know the fight witnesses in the courthouse, right? Which they're like, no, that didn't happen. So then you're thinking about like, well, why would the police make? <laughs> why would the police ever say something that wasn't true? What? Never. Hmm. So it, it, I personally think it's interesting that at first the police were like, oh, well, she pro- like they we're not going to investigate it too much. She probably just died in 9-11. Mm-hmm. And then when he hires a private investigator, then it seems like the police start actually digging in to do their jobs, quote unquote, because then they make up. A- it sounds like that they're fabricating a bunch of uh, scenarios. Based on actual known facts about her. Right, to exclude the f- fact, or not to exclude the fact that she could have died in the in the terror attacks, but that there are other things that could have happened to her, either like making Ron look suspicious because they had this big fight, or quote-unquote, or because she's, you know, Promiscuous or whatever. alternative lifestyle, right, a dangerous lifestyle of... of dangerous alcohol. bisexual woman. Look... <laughs> Apparently, that is just scandalous. So, here's a little bit more backstory. And, and this explains also about why it is important for several reasons to try to pin down the date of her death. So, under New York law, to establish that a person died in the September 11th attacks requires clear and convincing evidence of the person's exposure to the attack. However, 30, the application of that standard hasn't been even. And so at first, again, she was listed as being on the official tally of victims of 9-11. But then her name was removed from the list in January of 2004 because the medical examiner said that they couldn't tie her death to the attacks, that there wasn't this clear and convincing evidence. Ron, of course, is like, I don't. I don't like this. Let's take this to court. In then in November of 2005, a judge denied Ron's petition to set her date of death to September 11, 2001, and the judge ruled that she died on September 10th, 2004, which is a date set by state law when there's an unexplained absence. They say that your death in New York was 3 years to the day after your absence commenced. So they said, well she's disappeared on the 10th. So legally, her her date of death is not going to be September 11th. It's going to be September 10th, 2004. And so then he didn't have a 9-11 death certificate. So that also means that there was a victim's compensation fund for the 9-11 victims. And they denied his claim because he didn't have a death certificate that said she died on September 11th. Based on Snea's age at the time and her potential earnings in the medical field, his claim would have been worth three to four million dollars. Holy gosh. They still don't officially know, obviously, what happened to her, but the ruling in 2005, this is where we get into the internalized misogyny of the system, the implication is that she was just as likely to either have run off and left him on the 10th, to have committed suicide, or to have been a victim of a violent crime because of her, you know, high-risk lifestyle um, than she was to be a victim of the World Trade Center collapse on 9-11. So the attorney for the family called that ruling, and I agree, moralistic and illogical Mm -hmm. because it's saying that she is at fault for her own death because she lived a certain type 
of lifestyle that a judge decided was high risk and that mm -hmm. her behavior was immoral, right? And so that he, he likened it to her walking into a courtroom in the 1950s um, and because she was living a, what, I don't her, even know what I'd say, unconventional, but just, like, just her not ankle, a, her, you know, she walked into a courtroom in the 1950s and her ankles were out. Yes, they you know? saw those luscious ankles and they said, she is an immoral dame, not even a lady, a dame, a broad. A Jezebel, a broad, this woman. Um, yeah, that's pretty. However, <gasps> no, we're not done. We're not done. More twists and turns. More twists and turns, the 50th one. In July of 2008, an appellate court reversed that judge's decision. And said that even without direct proof establishing that her walk that morning took her past the World Trade Center, the evidence shows it's highly probable that she died that morning and at that site, and only the rankest speculation leads to any other conclusion, which I agree nice. and applaud. So now she has a death certificate that states that she died as a result of blunt trauma on September 11, 2001, which makes her the... Victim number 2,751 Ugh. from the September 11th attacks. However, so although she is now listed as an official victim of 9-11, she's ineligible for a claim from the compensation fund because it was closed by the time of the appellate ruling in 2008. I mean, that's not their fault. I know. I Ugh. probably some stupid legal things. Lawyers are the worst. I think they had to close the fund at some time so they knew how much money they actually had to distribute mm -hmm. to victims' families. But the good news is, I think just having her name added to the list of victims was a big comfort to her family. Now, you know, not really knowing what happened to her, but thinking that's the most probable thing that happened to her. Mm -hmm. But also having it acknowledged, especially after having had her reputation kind of torn apart by these different police reports, which were so different from what the investigator that Ron hired and his conclusions, what what he came to. Right. Um, and it just felt like it was so predicated on the fact that she was in... Oliver! A, she was in an Oliver at the time. She was in an Oliver! Oliver! Get him. Oh, you're... What are you doing? Ugh. You little <laughs> asshole. If you didn't hear that lizard, she just called her cat an asshole. That's the kind of person yeah. we're dealing with here. I mean, he is an asshole. <laughs> 2,000 years later. Did you see the Am I the Asshole tweet about the girl whose boyfriend took a dump in her cat's litter box? No. 2,000 years later. Yes. I, I don't know what you were saying when I screamed at Oliver. <laughs> Just that it was comforting right. that they actually finally yes, yes, got yes. a judge to agree that her name should be on the official yes. victim list after being yanked around by the court system and the medical examiner's office and the police reports. And right. Because oh, right, right. Because on, quote, unquote, unconventional lifestyle by the standards of the early 2000s. Um, right, she was a she was a dangerous bisexual, right, yes. right, and, and you know was lesbians. probably murdered. Yeah, you know lesbians; they'll you just fucking lesbians. kill. They'll just pick you up and then make yes. disappear. You know, you know, lesbians. lesbians. Just imagine that on a shirt, though. It'd be so good because you can read it a hundred different <laughs> ways. 
a hundred different ways. Lesbians. Or you. You know lesbians. Because it's true. You do. You. All of you lizards. You know lesbians. If you don't know any lesbians, that's a failing on your part. But my guess is you may not be aware that you know lesbians, but you know lesbians. You you do know lesbians. You know lesbians. 2,000 years later. I'm glad that they got closure, but they're, I mean, I, of course they're going to have questions forever. Like what happened? Where was she? You know, why, what was that call? Was that call Ron calling his, his messages? Like, cause again, like you said, like, why would she come home and call if he's at home? Right. Um, but yeah, man, that's, that is a bonker story. Isn't so many, crazy? however, so many, so twists many, and however, turns. there was also a piece about, um, how there's, a lot of jewelry that was recovered from the site that they were using to help identify victims because mm-hmm. apparently the temperature at which bone burns and the temperature at which some some gems like diamonds and such burn um very different and so there's a lot of jewelry that actually survived when bodies didn't and so Ugh. There's just, you know, all this unidentified jewelry that they're trying to match to victims. And so that the family, I mean, the best article, I read several several articles because I'm very learned and scientific and I cite all my sources. The New York Magazine had a, like, fabulous, fabulous article about this. And they went in just to the, the numbers of the amounts of jewelry that they had and how they were trying to link it to people because... Yeah, no, and there's just not, um, they don't think that they're going to be able to identify everybody through DNA, um, even with all the advances that we've had DNA. And that was from 2006, and they still have at least 400 or so pieces of, of jewelry oh that gosh. they were trying to link to victims at that time. So they they still had some hope then because it seemed like she had some pretty unique jewelry, and some of the pictures that they shared showed her wearing it. She always wore these really, really cute. They were diamond stud earrings but they were in the shape of almost like a little daisy like a little daisy oh, okay. flower like they were really really cute um she just seemed like a lovely person and like somebody that we would definitely have fun with yeah you know like a normal relatable person who obviously was going through some things and you know figuring it out like we all do yeah and just because she was going through some things does not mean uh She's a dangerous bisexual person that, you know, asked her... to go missing. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, the, it's always the, um, you know, the excuse of well, if they were do, if they hadn't been out there or they hadn't, you know, done X, Y, or Z, and it's sure. just like just none, none of that means a person should deserved to disappear or deserved what what they got, you know, just because, right. you know, sh- you know. If this was an arrangement that they, if she and Hero Ron did not come to an arrangement and she was indeed cheating on him, so if it wasn't like a known poly thing, um, that doesn't mean well, good because she disappeared nine eleven, <laughs> or well, good, right? A lesbian disappeared to her. You know, like, lesbians. Uh, you, you know, know. lesbians. Um, you know, it's just it's it's always that argument, right? Of just like, well, if they hadn't been doing it, 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 it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. And think about Fucking how many near like, are clues and, and why are men? There are so many like near clues and almost mm-hmm. informations here that just didn't pan out. Like the 
woman that the shoe clerk said she saw her with or the phone mm-hmm. call. I, oh, and then I can't even imagine the guilt that her brother must feel. Yeah. Like, why did I do that? Would the investigation have gone totally differently if I hadn't have said that? Um, although, again, because men... There's not nearly as much of an emphasis placed on the fact that her brother made up this completely false narrative to the reporters as there was of, like, she liked to go out and enjoy herself. How dare she? When she lives in Manhattan, how dare she go out? How dare she? Yeah. Ugh. Well, this was an excellent... Despite the fact that we both just ended it with a ugh. Ugh. This was an excellent story. Thank you for the research um, and, and all the twists and howevers. Um, okay, at some there... point we'll get into Maura Murray, but again, that would be like a six-part episode <laughs> at a minimum. There are whole podcasts that are dedicated to just her case. Should I not go seek it out don't, and like let don't. you tell me? Yes. Or should I don't okay. seek it? Don't okay. don't seek it. I'm just Cause shocked because like it, if I it thought was I too... knew you better. I thought if we it was were too. We are um, Are we? I mean, because if you if you didn't want to cover it, if it's so expansive that you don't want to, I will just go and look at these other podcasts. But if you want to tell me about it, I could. I, I mean, I could do out. an abridged ten part series. Okay, abridged. <laughs> yeah. So lizards, tell us what you think. Uh, we you can reach us at our uh, Instagram at Wine Times Pod or our individual accounts at Katie Haas or at True Crime Wine sixty nine. Thank you as always to Chris Hansen. Um, you can also email us uh, your theories or your own personal mysteries. So, lizards, we'll be back next week. I promise it will not be a scary disease story. Oh, God, please um, but don't. Who, who please. knows what it will be? Not me. Not me. Um, I'm going to start doing my research now so that I'm not. Hey, that did give me some great co- uh, small talk. <laughs> did Recently. You, like, you know, you can be allergic to water. Speaking of New Brunswick, did you know... That actually came up in a conversation at work of when we were uh, exploring doing some work in New Brunswick. And I was like, by the way. <laughs> Can we do that remotely? Because there's a environmentally caused brain disease oh, there. <laughs> or just like don't eat the mussels because I know they're tempting. But like you'll get bad cow from mussels. Don't ask me to explain. It's very <laughs> rare. <laughs> I'm super smart. It's an, exci- it's an excitotoxin. Um <laughs> This was wonderful. And lizards, come pop a bottle with us next week. We'll see where the mysteries take us. And, uh...